Greetings. Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic, cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend. This is how podcasts grow. If you've not yet given us a five-star rating and a positive review, pause this recording and do that now. I am Kirk Haberman, father, husband, teacher, church musician, and this is my brother, Chris, a very handsome Anglican priest. Chris, how are you? Kirk, I'm great. You know why? Uh, Tell me. Because I'm feeling handsome today. I mean, today and every day. We're recording on on Good Friday, Uh, so this is just an interesting time to record, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, last night uh, we had a, a solemn celebration of, of Monday Thursday and um, no school today, uh, which is why we're able to record on Friday morning and uh, kind of prepping for um, on Good Friday. It's, it's, it's a cool thing to just think about um, this day for Jesus. Um, and our Good Friday, we have two different liturgies in our church uh, that are appropriate on Good Friday. There, there is the Good Friday liturgy, but there's also the Stations of the Cross, which walk you through um, Christ's road to Golgotha or the skull. Kirk, uh, one thing, you know, my memory's terrible. <laughs> one thing that uh, if I knew it, I had forgotten it that I was reading yesterday is that for a while, uh, the uh, tradition, received tradition, which today there's certain things that, that we kind of accept because they're tradition. Uh, there's certain things that are, just have enough evidence that um, although they're pious traditions from the past, we, we kind of reject them. But um, the place of the skull, just outside the, the walls of, of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. do, do, do you know kind of the ancient tradition there? No, and I, I could use some education. I'm actually confused by the tradition around those locations. Like, okay. so Church of the Holy Sepulchre is what built over the his tomb. Well, it's one um, of the but, two site, two yeah. like main sites. See, so I, I'm full of confusion. So you can sure. um, said uh, shed clarity and light on the matter. I I, I'm not sure I could. I, I'm not sure I could give you uh, a uh, an impassioned. Uh, reasoning for why one is is the is the proper spot and uh I, you know i don't think it matters kirk because you know the tomb is empty you right know? like it's empty that, that that's the point of the tomb not to find the spot where he was buried um because like the, the whole idea of easter is that the tomb is is he's not there he's alive um but the, but the, the pious tradition that that i don't know i doubt catholics still hold to this today but is that um the place of the skull golgotha uh, was the burial place of Adam and Eve. Mm. 
And you could certainly see how the church fathers would have, have seen the, the uh, importance of this yeah. well, and the symmetry of that, right? Mm-hmm. That, um, and Augustine um, had some interesting things to say just about the symmetry between the fall of humanity. But, and then like, just like the way that Luke features women, um, how um, women are, are prominent both at the very beginning of, of the gospel and then at the end yeah. where uh, he says humanity fell through the female sex. You know, you know, we say through Adam's sin, but, but um, we also can see that how Eve contributed to that. Uh, Augustine continues, humankind was restored through the female sex. A virgin gave birth to Christ. A woman proclaimed that he had risen again. And I mean, we'll, we'll jump into the gospel shortly here, Kirk, but uh, it's the women who are featured. They're the first ones to go to the tomb um, through a woman death and through a woman life. And of, of course, the early church, like, and not just the church fathers, which came after uh, when we say the church fathers, usually these are people after scripture was written. But when we point to even the writers of scripture, um, them seeing si- significance through Mary bearing uh, Christ, that, that um, through a woman comes life, um, both uh, through pregnancy and birth, but also, Kirk, through, um, uh, th- through um, Mary who bore Jesus. So I guess we're, we're, we're kind of skipping over the dudes chatting stuff. Uh, and I'm just so excited to talk, talk Easter. You tell me, um, uh, what's on your mind today? What's going on? Yeah. So, you know, it's, as you said, it's Holy week, it's good Friday. Um, you know, this is, uh, both you and I, um, you, you as clergy, me as church musician, like this, this week, our, our face is very much pressed up against the glass. We are doing kind of something every day. And this doesn't mean that you have to be musician or clergy to have a um, kind of a a very intense Holy Week Um, because there are, you know, let me shout out to the prayer book, right? There are, there are um, lessons for the Monday of Holy Week, for the Tuesday of Holy Week. Um, And you will, if you, if you do that, if you pray and read those, I mean, you will have a very observed Holy Week. Um, but yeah, so I've, it's been really involved, you know, my, my, my family, my, my, my lovely bride and my radiant cherubic children are dragged to, uh, almost, almost every Holy week service. Um, I am already hearing some, uh, resistance to the idea of the Easter vigil. So, so we'll see, we, we may not have a, a full Haberman contingent there at the Easter vigil, but last night, maybe just you and Bryden. Yeah. That's your thing, right? That is our, that is yeah. our thing though. Yeah. I, I want to ultimately like, it's one of those yeah. things where once someone's there, once right. you've done an Easter vigil, you're like, okay, now I see. Right. It's yeah. I can see like, Kirk. I can see how it's a hard sell. Cause it's a, like by design, it's a lengthy, lengthy service, yeah. but that's the beauty of it. Isn't it? What is it? Is it Philip or is it Andrew? It says, come and see, mm. come and see. So that's my, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It is. It is very lengthy, but the payoff is there. I think it's Andrew. I don't know why I said that because like I said, I think, I don't know for <laughs> sure. So like I could be wrong, but I think it's Andrew. Um, I've, I've seen uh, a couple of good analogies over the course of years to Easter. Actually, let's, let's, let's save that. Let's save, save it that for when we talk about Saturday. So last night, last night, Monday, Thursday, um, the first lesson was from Exodus and uh, Exodus 12. It's the, um, the Passover. Passover. Yeah. Very, very kind of 
solemn, powerful, profound lesson, right? And I look, uh, I look at my family in the front row, and actually my kids were, were in the front row sitting without parents because I was on the bench, um, and, uh, and, and my wife was part of the altar party. She was a subdeacon for the night. And so they're sitting there without parents and they have the giggles, bad, mm. bad, like, like melted, like Simon's blowing his nose. He's like biting his lip to the point of bleeding to like, to keep from like, um, George has like tears, silent tears. Um, and Daphne is just, she doesn't, you know, she's sick, so she doesn't care. Like she doesn't feel like compunction or shame to like, keep it quiet. <laughs> And I look over there and I am trying so hard to send mental brainwaves, like be prayerful, <laughs> like, be solemn, be in the moment. And it is just not happening. And so I come to sit by them by the sermon. I'm like, hey, guys, like what happened? What happened during the Old Testament lesson? And it like, carried over into the Psalm and into the New Testament sure. lesson. And they're like, Daphne farted. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. So that's how my week's going. My, my, my gassy children are, uh, are breaking the spell at Holy Week services. That's where, that's where, that's where we are. <laughs> Kirk, one of the things I love about our, uh, our church is, is the way that we embrace, um, we embrace people who um, have special needs whatever they yes. are. And so we've, we've an autistic, uh, child, uh, a, a autistic first grader. And, um, one time as I was, uh, consecrating the Eucharist, um, as we were saying the Lord's prayer, I hear him belch loudly. And I, myself, I mean, an uncontrolled belt, just like in the middle of the Lord's prayer, like that's uh, juxtaposition of solemnity and just a belch uh, from, from a kid who um, doesn't have the awareness of like, maybe this isn't a, <laughs> an appropriate time to, to just let loose. Uh, uh, I myself got the giggles. You got the giggles. I mean, it, they didn't stick with me, but I was just like, I was just, it was, it was very humorous. It was, it was comedic. That, do you remember it. that happening as, as children constantly getting the giggles? I remember in class in school and like, and, and the teacher never found any of it funny. I remember right. um, one, one classmate telling me like his, his theory about how to get him to go away is he would bite his upper lip Interesting. like really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I got the giggles for the first time in a long time, like in a bad setting, in the wrong setting. Mm. Um during a concert this Lent, uh, our, our, our choral society was singing uh, Mozart's, uh, the Lacrimosa from Mozart's mm. Requiem. And, um, and uh, there's this very quiet part, um, Pia Jesu, piano, and, and both the tenor and the basses have, have very high notes um, in our registers. And, and in fact, we're encouraged by the director to just sing falsetto. And I was, our, our arrangement was different. And so I was singing by, um, by, by different basses. I'm a tenor, I was singing by different basses than I had different basses in my ear than I usually have. And one bass, like his version of, um, of falsetto, his version of what, what this descending pattern was, <laughs> DC, was like, and like, I couldn't, I couldn't. I'm like in the middle of a concert, I'm wiping tears. Yeah. 
and like oh we're masked goodness. still and so like i'm like and that doesn't like when you're, <laughs> when you're crying and laughing into a mask like then everything's like like wet and snotty and like i'm trying to it's it's like a physically demanding um part because they're 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 stuff there's stuff that's high and loud there's stuff that's high and soft um you're breathing you're you need all of your breath in certain passages and i just lost it i just lost oh it goodness. and, and the, then then it's a ripple effect because the guy next to me is sorry he starts to lose it and so i'm trying oh, not no. to look at him and like i'm worried that like i'm going to be a virus spreading through the tenor section the giggles are are <laughs> contagious that way i, I have just one memory um, in church of getting the giggles and dad was not pleased. Um, and was it was it because you and I, our stomachs were growling. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> just to, you know, just bodily functions and it's not flatulence. It's just a stomach going, you know, growling. And like, do you know why we... they were growling? Why? We had this stupid theory. We were going to have a, um, a brunch after church. And you and I were like, like we, we had a plan to gorge ourselves. We we're like, let's skip breakfast. So we can shove our face full at brunch after. Kirk, how is that different? How is that different from any other potluck? <laughs> like as far as very shoving point. our faces. Uh, but not, not only were we giggling, but other people in the church started giggling. <laughs> I want to say this before, and then we, we need to move on. Yes. Kirk, your impression of that base. Yeah, oh do you know what goodness. that reminded me of? <laughs> the lemonade man at PNC Park. <laughs> is he still there? Lemonade! Is he no, still there? there was like a public oh. obituary of him in the oh, um, Post Gazette. Oh, may he rest in ago. peace. Yeah, yeah he, like was, a he was epic. local he legend. Was legendary. Oh, yes. yeah, everyone. Yeah, it's just funny because like if you're not from Pittsburgh or have never been to a game, you're like I have no idea what you're talking about. But, like every Pittsburgher, if you had lemonade, they'd be like, Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. All right, with with um that solemnity. Um, speaking of, of 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 drinks and yearning for meals. Today's gospel comes from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened, they bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, 
and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, Kirk, just a few minutes ago, I mentioned how uh, the importance here is the empty tomb, and that's what we have here. It's interesting that in this text, we do not have the resurrected Jesus, do we? No. No, all we have is an empty tomb. Um, and it's uh, in the John text that we get uh, Mary finding someone there. I'm sorry, Mary Magdalene, who she's supposed to be the gardener, and it's only in talking with him that she realizes um, that it's, in fact, Jesus. She, and, it, and again, there, there we have the women again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is no, it, it, it should be no surprise um, that, the, that the women are the ones at the tomb who witness uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It should be no surprise. Uh, Kirk, there are many people who talk about, uh, I would say, atheists who try their best to debunk the resurrection. There are all kinds of boat stories of like, oh, well, he wasn't dead. He was revived, um, which is a silly assertion um, right. uh, th- that uh, a tomb would somehow revive him. There's the issue of the stone being rolled across. There is the issue of the Romans being uh, batting a thousand <laughs> when it comes to executions. They made sure that they were successful. And it was the Jews that were kind of in a rush to get Jesus buried because of the Sabbath, right? Um, that they wanted to get things done before sundown. And they're like, uh, we got to get this guy in the tomb. Let's make sure he's dead. And so they <laughs> they stuck a spear in him. They, they gouged his belly in a way that if he weren't already dead, which he was, um, this would have killed him. And, and, and uh, you could talk about people who talk about what ha- the physiology of what happens to dead bodies, how the blood tends to separate and how blood and water came out from from the wound um the case for this being a miraculous resurrection is a slam dunk um you're saying as opposed to like having fallen asleep or a coma or yeah or even a stolen body right you know whatever whatever objection i'm not going to go through all of them um the disciples stole the body uh and and i'm going to get to what i think is the strongest uh evidence but there's there is a lot of evidence um uh first like the 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 jewish leaders and the romans had the means the motive and the opportunity um to uh find the body and be like nope he's not risen here he is uh like uh they had all the reason the motive means motive and opportunity in the world to do that um and so But the biggest thing, Kirk, the biggest thing is the way the text is written, that if you were to invent a religion, you would write this text differently in all the ways. First of all, the disciples would have been the heroes. They would have not been ununderstanding, like during Jesus and all his references to um, his death and resurrection. They would have understood it at some point, you know, maybe in their humility, they've been like, ah, we didn't get it at first, but halfway through the gospels. And they certainly wouldn't have been rebuked. Get behind me, Satan. Certainly not. And they certainly would not have gone to a tomb expecting a dead body. Right. Why did the women go to the tomb with spices? 
Uh, that's that was Jewish rituals for uh, dead bodies. For right? dead body, they were fully one hundred percent expecting Jesus to be in the tomb for them to be able to anoint with these spices, um, to honor his body, um, to prevent the, the 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 smell that comes with um, de- decomposition. Can, can we and pause there for that, just a moment? Uh, I'm going to say one more thing. Okay, all right. And not only that, Kirk. The first witnesses would not have been women if this were just made up. But the first witnesses are women. Do you know why? Because that's how it happened. Mm. Right? Uh, why would they not have been women? First of all, like women didn't have a prominent, like this was a patriarchal culture. They did not have a prominent place in the culture. And in, in some sense, um, God is trying to reverse that to, to, to show like, and the, their the testimony era, wouldn't count, wouldn't have counted in court. Testimony was not valid in a court of law. They were not reliable witnesses, Kirk. They were not reliable witnesses. And we'll get to some textual stuff. Um, but uh, that is what why we know that this story is true. Um, because of of the way that it, it is written here is the way it's written because that's how it happened. All right, go ahead. Uh, just regarding the burial and the spices. Yeah. Um, I also find it remarkable. Um, we meet, we meet this, uh, this Pharisee in John three, Joseph, uh, uh we meet Nicodemus. Nicodemus. We also meet, uh, do we meet Joseph of Arimathea in John three? I don't think so, but uh, I can effort so, that. So anyhow, well, we, 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 we meet early on, um, these Pharisees, uh, and then we find out later that, um, Jesus left a mark with them. Mm. Just, just, just verses that can be throwaway verses if you're not careful. Um, the reason that he has this, Jesus has this tomb and has not just spices, a hundred pounds <laughs> worth of myrrh and aloe um, is because of um, the wealth and largesse of a prominent um, public figure like Joseph of Arimathea. Um, and, and so this, of course, is a bookend. We have been since mm-hmm. uh, Christmas, mm-hmm. we've been walking through the life of Jesus from incarnation to death to resurrection. And we meet myrrh on January 7th <laughs> um, mm-hmm. with the, the likely the toddler Jesus who gets this, this odd gift from, <laughs> yes. uh, from aristocrats from Persia or Arabia or whatever. Like, congratulations on the birth. Here's some death There's stuff. Some, yes. <laughs> and, and now it makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Um, we have, um, this, this burial spice that's fit for, uh, fit for a King, a hundred pounds worth, um, just so lavish and there, there's symmetry and it all comes into focus. I love that. That's all I had to say about that. Go on. Yeah. 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 So these women witness this thing, not again, not the resurrected Christ. Um, but they do have some helpers there. They have some angels. Um, uh, it's, so it's, it says two men with dazzling apparel. It's, it's later in this chapter that we see that they're angels. Um, and it's, it's, it's interesting the way that Luke tells this story. Uh, and some of that is just the convention of the day. I don't think he is the fl- a flair for the dramatic, but, uh, we don't even learn who the women are or who. So on the first day of the week, this is verse one at dawn, they went to the tomb. We don't know who they are until verse 10, that it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James and other women. So we don't know how many uh, women actually went to the tomb, but it was these people who told these things to the apostles. So presumably all of them went to the tomb. Maybe some of them went and then told the other women. But what is the response? 
these words seem to them an idle tale. Mm. And this is one thing where uh, I just want to point out the translation and some of the challenges uh, with translation and why uh, pastors and scholars learn original languages. Uh, it's because sometimes uh, there's always a sacrifice you're making when you translate. Uh you, you could sacrifice accuracy or even an English word may not convey the same uh, lexical range or breadth of meaning as, as the original word in the original language. Uh, and in this case, this is an interesting thing. Um, even understanding um, what we call Koine Greek, common Greek, this, this, this uh, Greek that the New Testament was written in, the modern Greek language is very different, as you can expect. As we read even the 1662 prayer book, we talk about how language has changed. And that's just a matter of, um, you know, 500 years, um, not even 500 years, uh, not even 400 years. Um, and so over thousands of years, the Greek language have, has changed significantly. And so how do we know, uh, how do we get to a sense of what these words meant, uh, especially considering um, it, this particular language hasn't been spoken. Well, we have archaeological. So first of all, the first thing we do is we look at all of the Bible and we can compare how the same writer or author used the same word in various places. And that gives us an idea of the range of a word. Uh, and we can also, outside of, of the Bible, um, we can look at other things, artifacts from that time, and, and whether they're writings or grocery lists. Uh, and Every year, seemingly, we find more artifacts from that time that help give us a bigger picture of the language of that era. And uh, in verse 11, this, this, this word that's used um, for idle tale is a word, there's a term for it. I'm not going to use the term here because it's not helpful, but it's, it's one, of those, one of those words that is only used once in the New Testament. And so we have nothing to compare it to. Um, but as we look outside the New Testament in, into like contemporary writings, um, this is a word that uh, physicians would use to describe the de delirious babbling of hmm. very ill persons. So does, does that not um, add some complexity to our understanding of, of what it was that um, they're like, these women are crazy. They're delirious. They're just babbling nonsense. Um, and I, which idle tale doesn't convey in its fullness right. that the disciples still don't understand. Right. So, so sort of like when we now like to get out our iPhones, when people come out of anesthesia, out of surgery and they say like funny <laughs> yes, stuff, yes, like yes. that moment, that's yeah, what they're yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> like went to the tomb and, 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 uh, and, and, and it was empty. And, and then we saw this, this, these, these dazzling people and they were saying, and they said, why do you look for the, the, the living among the dead? And they're so like, you can oh, this is Andrew and ah. Philip looking at each other, winking and saying, <laughs> oh, sure. And then what happened? Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So to quote Augustine again about the women, he says, so in this fact, we have to reflect on the goodness of the Lord's arrangements, because this, of course, was the doing of the Lord Jesus Christ, that it should be the female sex which would be the first to report that he had risen again. And Kirk, uh, I mean, the resurrection is 
the reason we're talking about this first and sort of backwards, uh, as in just a moment, we're going to discuss Monday, Thursday and Good Friday. The reason we discuss the resurrection first is because Friday is only good. Today is only good Friday because of Easter. Yes. There are many prophets that are dead and remain in their grave, but it's Christ's power over death and the grave uh, that gives us life. It gives us hope. Um, Forgiveness of sins uh, without the resurrection isn't quite as great. Um, The fact that Jesus um, carried the sins of the world on the, on the cross, that it's this, this resurrection stuff that's important that, that is in fact remade um, the whole universe. And because Christ has defeated this, that there is no thing too big or too small that God can't heal and restore. And so it's not just that uh, our, our promise in the resurrection is not just that one day we too will be resurrected. Although that's a central promise, it gives us hope in every aspect of our lives that there's, there's no stone too large, if we're going to, have to use that metaphor, the stone being rolled away, or there's just no problem um, too big or too small. And though, although God may not heal those things in our timing or in the way that we want, um, this is a, a reversal of the laws of the universe, the laws of entropy, the laws of death and decay, of things slowly falling apart. This is a complete reversal of that. Amen to all of that. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Uh, P.I., the, the Synoptic Gospels. So here we have Luke this year. Um, have, Which is one of the three synoptics. Mm-hmm. Yep. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Yep. Have Peter in verse 12 um, alone responding to the women's testimony. Um, and in John, we have the entertaining bit where yes. John recognizes two. And so they have a race. Right. And John, I don't John, know, but it's, it's a race, but John points out John that he, humble he's brags. A, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, he, that he beat old Peter to the tomb. That's not, that's neither a, that's not a profound or a spiritual point. It's just, it, may, it makes me smile every time I read John's, uh, John's Same. account there, but it, but it is notice, notable that either whether, whether kind of you're reading uh, Luke's account or John's account, it's not like a bunch of them are like interesting and they go and see right. most right. of them, most of them are just kind of like, well, I mean, we don't, we, we don't know what they're, they're saying other than they think it's crazy talk, an idle tale, yeah. right? babbling, um, but they don't, they don't go. They don't, it's not worth checking out, <laughs> um, which, is, which is interesting. So why? Uh, their ears are still stopped mm. regarding understanding, even at that moment, are still stopped regarding Jesus's words throughout Luke after the transfiguration when he begins to say, um, I must suffer, die, and be buried. Um, and, and, and he says it in, in, in Luke's this year, we've heard it a bunch. And, and, and they still, at this moment, they don't piece it together and they don't go, just Peter. That's it, right? And we'll read on Easter Eve, the uh, Easter Eve, on the evening of Easter, um, the lesson is the road to Emmaus in, what is that, Luke, uh, the end of Luke 24, right? And only then do two of the disciples finally does it all connect. But Jesus has to spend several miles explaining, <laughs> explaining all of it. So, um, hey, Kirk, t- Kirk, it's, it's yes. interesting the heartbreak of, of those disciples too. We had hoped. Yep. Yes. Right. 
Yeah. We had hoped that he was the one. Yeah. Right. Like, um, like, uh, Obi-Wan screaming at Anakin at the end of, uh, yeah. Um, episode three. Yeah. You were supposed to be the one. So what's the, what's the takeaway for us? Um, we have the same human nature, right? Human nature is evenly distributed. We have the same human nature, sinful nature that those disciples did. And I cringe to think how frequently, um, I do not see the gospel in my life um, when it is it is spoken mm. plainly to me mm. um, through preaching, through the Holy Spirit, through Scripture, through friends, um, through God's uh, through the Holy Spirit, um, kind of working in me. How we we all have our block our our, our blinders up. Um, we we are tightly clenching on to our grievances, um, our anxieties, our worries. And, and unable to hear the good news, the resurrection news that is right in front of us. Um, I, I, I know that that has to be the case in my life, right? Um, I, we think of the Beatitudes, I consider the lilies of the field. Um, I carry so much anxiety with me. And um, I wonder in what places I am not able to hear um, gospel good news, resurrection promises, um, just because mm. I like the disciples when I'm told <laughs> he is risen. I'm like, that's crazy. Mm. I've got my own worries that I got to worry about. Which is, you know, and it's interesting. Jesus also does something interesting in the gospel of John. He breathes on them. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. And some may look to the keys of the kingdom uh, or the forgiveness of sins, things like that. But also just this idea of like the Holy Spirit being being, um, this, this not only person, third person of the Trinity who relationship with it but the holy spirit he dwells in us and and um and illuminates scripture and does so many things for us and um gives us understanding and and i pray for that even more uh before i preach every time before i preach Mm -hmm. uh i pray that the holy spirit would open all of our eyes and our ears that that we would hear um because yeah we, we don't want to be hard of hearing any, any final thoughts on this Easter gospel before we get in our time machine and go back to Holy Week? <laughs> no, because uh, as, as we discussed before we hit record, um, we'll be going back and forth between, you know, we, we'll be referencing this uh, in our next segment. So, Kirk, let's move on to um, our, are they theology segments? Sure. Let's do it. theology segment today uh, we're going to look at what's called the triduum which is a snooty fancy latin word it just means the three days and these are the three days um, before easter two of them are very action-packed and then one of them has very little action 
Um, that's Holy Thursday, Good Friday. I'm sorry, Holy Thursday or Maundy Thursday in our tradition. Good Friday and Holy Saturday. And Christopher, mm. do, you, do you have any particular place to start? I'm fascinated. This is such a gonzo idea, starting with yeah. Easter and working backwards. I'm fascinated to see kind of you, you, uh, you weave this glorious symphony together. And where mm. would you like to start? Uh, let's start with the name, Maundy Thursday. Yes. Um, it's, it's the name, uh, is, it's actually short for a Latin word that means commandment. Because on that night, um, in John 13, after he washes their feet, he says to them, a new commandment I give you. So it's interesting. I, uh, I shouldn't say this because I haven't researched it. I wonder if Jesus gives other commandments. But, you know, this word brings to mind, you know, the, the Ten Commandments, right? You know, this idea of, of, of yeah, there, there were hundreds of laws in, in uh, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, but, um, but they're, they're the special ten. Yeah. Well, also think um, of the summary of the law, um, right. which doesn't occur in John, but occurs in, in the other three Gospels, where, where he says, I mean, all, all those commandments boil down to this, um, love of neighbor and love of God. And in John 13, 34, Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. And then he modifies this. Like he explains, like, how do I want you to love one another? He says, as, as I. I have loved you, so you must also love one another. And he has not only loved them, he has demonstrated his love for them by this um, humble, hu uh, not humiliating, but by this, by this um, servant's work. Of, of the washing of their feet. And Kirk, uh, every pastor I would imagine wrestles with, um, do we wash <laughs> feet on Maundy Thursday? Um, it's, it's uh, there, anytime we do something like that, uh, there are e ways to easily get it wrong. Um, as in, some people have suggested, well, you take 12 men and you wash their feet. Well, Jesus doesn't say, it doesn't say that he washed the feet of the 12 disciples. Um, uh, it's not specific and it doesn't have to be 12 men. Like, and also like, what are we saying when we have, um, you know, and, and then we're saying something when we pick somebody to wash the feet, who do you pick? And then who, like, who do you pick to have their feet washed? Plus it's awkward. Mm -hmm. Self-conscious about their feet in an era of hygiene where ideally everyone is washing their feet with soap. Once a day, people are still self-conscious about their feet because Kirk, Feet are gross, <laughs> even in an era of hygiene. Um, there are bunions. Uh, there might be some hair. Uh, there might be some uh, some gout. Maybe uh, maybe the, the the toes are ugly. Maybe they don't look pleasant. Maybe they stink. Um, and that's today. Back in the day, of course, they wore sandals and walked on dusty streets and roads. So anytime you went inside, it, it was just common to, to remove your shoes and to have your feet washed. And never, 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 never would the master wash the feet because this is servant's work. And so Jesus is, we talk about Jesus taking the low road. This is Jesus taking the low road, the way of the cross, taking the form of a servant and um, this humiliating work, which Peter initially is like, no, 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 right. you're not going to wash feet. In that way, it's timeless, right? Like, just as we would be um, mortified and embarrassed and super awkward about it, Peter feels the same way. Indeed. Yeah. So uh, if, in fact, there is a public foot washing, usually you take the person 
who is most prominent, and they take the form of a servant and, and wash the feet. And, that, and that's the symbolism there. Um, and uh, Kirk, what I preached on yesterday, um, anytime we go to scripture, 99% of the time, a pastor is not only explaining what God is doing in that scripture and explaining what it means, but oftentimes giving people a takeaway. What about it? How do I obey? How do I react? How do I respond? What do I do in light of this? So you got to understand what it means first before you say, what do I do? And my big thing was, let's not tonight. Let's just behold what Christ has done. It'd be easy to say, oh, it's Monday, Thursday. There's a new commandment. Let's make sure, how do we, how do we add this to our checklist? Um, instead, what we ought to, re- to behold on Monday, Thursday is that Christ has washed us. Full stop. Yes. And yes, after that, he says, yeah, do likewise. Like, just as I've loved you and served you, like, go do this. Um, but let's not turn this uh, into um, a religion. You know, uh, uh, where, where Christianity is like the anti-religion, right? Um, where uh, we, uh, you know, I, I should explain uh, when I say that. Um, the old religion is like appeasing the gods so the gods will do something for you. And so somebody imagine this conversation between a Christian and a pagan in the Roman Empire where um, the one guy's like, oh, Christianity, that sounds great. Like, um, you know, where is your temple? And they said, we don't have a temple. You know, Christ is our temple. Um, oh, okay. Well, then who performs, you know, your, your ritual sacrifices? We don't have a sacrifice. Jesus is our sacrifice. And as, as the conversation goes on, they're like, this isn't a religion at all. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not really, not, not in that sense. Now we are religious, we have practices. Um, but, but in the sense of like, we do things to, to essentially twist God's arm into giving things for us, that's not what it is. And so first we must remember that, that um, anything we do is in light of the fact that Christ has washed us. So maybe I'll pause that uh, as we've talked to it kind of about, about the new commandment and the foot washing. And, and uh, before we move on to the, to the Passover and, and the, um, and the last supper and uh, the abandonment in the garden. And I'll ask if, if you have anything to, to say about the foot washing. Uh, I just find Peter's conversation with Jesus. there mm. quite profound and memorable. Uh, uh, Peter says something like, this is from memory, so forgive me if I misquote scripture. Um, it is I who should wash your feet. And Jesus says to him, unless I wash you, you can have no part of me. And Peter, Peter, like to Peter's credit, he always gets things late, but when he gets it, he gets it, gets it, right? Mm-hmm. He says, then wash not just my feet, but all of me, right? My head and, and my hands, yes. Yeah. Um, and and this is this is exactly what you're saying. He he in that moment, he is given the grace to, to mm. understand what you just said, mm. which is we must be completely washed by Jesus, which is which is what baptism is, right? We are mm-hmm. we are drowned into we are baptized into His death. The scriptures say, meaning like it's a drowning, right? Our our, our we strangle, not we. The Holy Spirit strangles our Adamic mm. nature, our, our our sinful nature, our inherited sinful yeah, nature. Yeah, death and resurrection. And we are given a new nature. Um, um, and that is the, the, oh, the only nature that can be given us through um, the cross, right? It's, it, we are baptized into his death. And, and this is kind of the moment when, when Peter, Peter gets, wait a minute, this is something, something more is happening here than, than this isn't just foot washing, is this? 
right? And of course, that's what Jesus means, right? Unless I wash you, you can have no part of me. Yeah. 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 And we discussed, I think, in last week's episode, how um, we talked about the, the, how they were celebrating the Passover and how Jesus re- reinterprets the Passover, which is why it's, we have the Exodus reading as the Old yeah. Testament reading of the the blood on the lintel, um, the blood of the spotless lamb that was given for to save the people. That was Jesus. And then Jesus, instit- and it's interesting how um, the Passover was this annual festival um, that they were commanded um, to, per- to, to do perpetually every year to re- this annual remembrance of God's saving work on their behalf. And as Jesus references that he gives them this new ritual holy communion um taking the bread and saying this is my body taking the cup and saying this is my blood and of course he's uh it's interesting um whenever you do this uh i'm sorry uh it is a um, remembrance of his death it's interesting right Mm mm-hmm for as often as you eat this bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Uh, of course, uh, the death is only significant because of the new life that we have in Easter. And uh, even though this, we are there's solemnity here, um, this is not, as we discussed, it's interesting that we call it the, the Last Supper. In fact, it is not the Last Supper that on, on the last day, the, the heavenly banquet, um, is in fact the Last Supper um, right. that this is in preparation for a a um, it's the Last Supper yeah. dot 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 for a long time. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, as as Mark records, Mark records Jesus saying um, to them uh, after take this cup, he says, "I shall not drink again of the fruit of the vine until we drink again in the kingdom." Mm. Right. So there's even Mark records explicitly that promise. Yeah. 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 Uh, do you have any other thoughts on, on the last supper on, um, the institution of, of the Lord's supper? Yes. Yes. Very briefly. Um, there, uh, the way we observe this as Christians, uh, there, there are options, options, um, for kind of focus. Cause, cause as you said, there, there are a variety of themes on Monday, Thursday. I don't know if you said this before we started recording or after, um, and, and it can become uh, this symphony of complementary themes that weaves its way into a listener's, uh, a Christian's ear and into their hearts, or it can be just be too much and confusing, right? Mm, we have foot right. washing, we have the Lord's Supper, we yeah. have the abandonment um, that's symbolized by the stripping of the altar at the end. Um, so there's the options for colors, right? So if mm. if your church does red, um, uh, there's that's that's probably more, more foot washing and kind of last things. Um, and if your church says white, um, that is recognizing it as the institution of the Lord's supper. Like this is a, this is a, a festal day. Yeah. Um, this is amazing gift. This is, this is the King giving to us his last will and Testament, making us heirs. Right. And, um, so I just find that's interesting. That's evidence of the church recognizing these these two themes that are there together on one night. So there's a there's there's tender there's this tenderness of these last things, this last washing, um, but also there's this glorious gift um, to us, the faithful, the church, 
of um, his, his body and his blood in these humble elements of bread and wine. And, uh, and, and the church, uh, just like on Palm Sunday, just like several days ago, Christopher, we began with celebration and we end, we end in, um, in recognition of the cross and the passion and the death. Um, likewise, on Holy Thursday, we have these, these con this contrast. We begin um, with this gathering, this happy gathering of, of people that love each other um, and, this, and, this, and this meal. Uh, and we end with betrayal and abandonment. So that's that's my uh, my observation on on kind of the Last Supper as the institution of Holy Communion. Yeah, you're, you're getting out a book in preparation of laying down some kind of profound word on us. So go ahead. I'm just going to read a brief quote. The rites of Holy Week help us to recall how we got to where we are and invite us to live more deeply into the sacred acts of God's generosity that wrought for us our salvation. The rites, however, are not for the purpose of our pretending that what is true, that what we know by faith is somehow in suspended animation, waiting to be true again, as though for the first time. So we're not, we're not celebrating this as if Easter hasn't happened. We're celebrating it in light of Easter. Mm. The inherent tension in this should be heightened, not reduced or explained away. Some may find it helpful to contemplate this tension in the rites less through the lens of the already, but not yet, but perhaps more accurately, not yet, but already. Hmm. So uh, we, we speak of the already and not yet as far as like Christ's kingdom, that like it is already here and there are still yet things that we yearn for in um, the, the fullness, like uh, we wait for the consummation of the kingdom. Um, and so like Christ has definitively in his resurrection defeated death and the devil. Um, and yet, uh, as Luther said, uh, the, 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 the dragon has been slain, but the tail is still twitching, which is a good metaphor for this. And so in that way, it's, it's um, liturgically not yet, but already. Mm -hmm. So we're celebrating this, um, this last, uh, the Last Supper, yeah, we could say we could celebrating the Last Supper, um, not yet, but it is in light of like what Christ has already done, right. um, because He has instituted like the that that um, in instituting Holy Communion, Holy Communion is a, a an Easter, it is a resurrection thing that we are yeah. celebrating, not not like oh Easter hasn't happened yet. So I think we've touched upon this previously in our conversations, but at Holy Communion, so there's something cosmic cosmic that's happening. Mm kind of across time and space, right? So we're plugged in, uh, we're, we're sort of plugged in to Good Friday, right? This is my body. This is my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins, right? So that's a, that's a very Good Friday um, plug-in. We're connected to the events there, not just the events to him, um, but also as we read in Revelation, um, it is also the risen Christ, that we are communing with and plugged in with, right? And as we read in Reser uh, Re Revelation, we are we are plugged into a meal that has begun in some cosmic way. We are plugged into the eschaton, right? The church, uh, church victorious, um, the church triumphant that already is casting their crowns around the throne, um, that is at the banquet hall, um, whose whose rest is won. They are already feasting. They are already drinking of the fruit of the vine. Um, 
uh, which 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 Jesus is drinking of again in the kingdom. Um, so <laughs> there, yes, yes, and already, <laughs> and yes, then not yet. Right? There, there's there's something kind of panspatial, panspatial, and pan chronological mm, that happens yes. at Holy Communion that is that is miraculous, right? Sometimes as Protestants, we um, through homophobia. We sort of um, are kind of a rationalist, modernist. They, we 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 overstress um, the remember aspect, and and right. we, uh, we 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 don't like confess what Scripture tells us about is happening there. <laughs> that is the miraculously we we are we are joining across time and space in this Good Friday meal and this Easter meal and this Ascension meal <laughs> and this final um, and this Revelation meal. Yeah, I, I like the language of the prayer book, how it emphasizes the bothness of that in that yes. it is a remembrance, but is it's a physical remembrance. It's not that we sit around in a circle and we say, hey, guys, remember when God did this thing? It's something we participate in and are, are spiritually fed in it, that we consume Jesus. Um, it's not just a, a thing in our minds. It's something that, that we bodily participate in. Yeah. Kirk, um, at the end of the service, uh, I think one of the most moving liturgical things that we do, mm. and and that's in, I mean, including um, the Good Friday. Like, I, I'm curious to hear about your your traditions of of reverence of the cross. Um, but uh, one of the most moving things is the stripping of the altar and the silent. Um, what's the term I'm looking for? The silent. Uh, there is no dismissal. Silent departure. Yeah. Uh, and again, so. We're talking about the triduum, um, the, and the one of the interesting things about the liturgy is that it doesn't end. Um, so even if we didn't have have uh, a silent departure, um, there's no dismissal because it is all one service. Yeah, um, it's all one service. So on on Good Friday, we almost remind people of that of like this continues. <laughs> it's not like hey, welcome to this new thing. It's like uh, this is continuing. Um, but uh, it, it's moving. Um, because after you've received communion, uh, the liturgy is kind of cut off. We're used to saying a post-communion prayer, having a number of things afterwards. Uh, and we actually, Kirk, did you do a post-communion? Did you do a, a post-communion prayer? Um, we did a post-communion prayer okay. and then uh, stripped the altar after. Okay. And I don't we actually did not. have the I prayer book in front of me. I served communion and um, people returned to their seats and um, had time for silent devotion as the altar was stripped as the lights were turned out yep. and um, I had to sit with the discomfort of that, of it's, it's uncomfortable to, to do it that way, to not be like, all right, Hey, you know, to greet people and, and to not, you know, wave to them in the parking lot or, or whatever it is that we do when we leave a church building. And this is in a, in a sense, kind of simulates Christ's abandonment yep. um, in the garden by those who said they would be with them the whole way. Um and uh Kirk, yeah, earlier um, that week in john saint thomas says um what does he say let us go that we might die with thee and that i don't think it's earlier is, that, that that's not earlier that's at, that week that's at lazarus that's, right yes. so that yeah. would have been but that's on the way to yeah. anyway that's neither here nor there yep yes yeah. but anyhow what i'm saying is the bravado is very quickly gone mm -hmm. yeah yeah um my former pastor uh, went to seminary in New York City, and he went to St. Thomas on Fifth Avenue, um, one of the most prim and proper um, Episcopal churches um, 
in the United States, they, they're one of what, two churches in the, are they, okay. I shouldn't say that. They're the only church in the United States that has a, a boy choir school attached, you know, where they have um, a boy choir for uh, even song every, every evening. And so if you go to St. Thomas fifth Avenue, if you Google that, you could find their webcasts, which are beautiful. Yes. And so when he was in seminary in New York, he went to their Monday Thursday service and he said, you know, this prim and proper um, service uh, was juxtaposed with, um, I wish I could remember exactly what it was he said, but I don't know if there was a note that was said or sung or if just on cue, the choir boys like screamed and ran. Yes. Um, Kirk, would you, since you know what I'm talking about you and you've probably listened to this, could you kind of explain why, like, not only what, what it is that they do, but like why it's impactful. Um, so I've now St. Thomas, uh, since the pandemic, they now, okay. they now have a good video system. So I, I, mm. I think we could go back and now watch it, but in, in past years, I would listen to that broadcast and you could hear the, the children's feet across stone scampering, which like that, uh, it just gives you chills. It's um, yeah. It's very evocative. Um, yeah, of, of in the garden as as <laughs> as this band of soldiers comes, um, that's what it likely would have looked like. Is like ah, let's get out of here. Like save your own skin. Right, and they all they all react in different ways. Um, I mean, Peter, yeah. like yeah. starts gets out his sword and starts slicing yeah. off ears. Um, we have Mark. We think it's Mark. Tradition has it Mark. He loses his clothes in a fight. Right. Isn't that right? Like there's a naked so, yeah. man running through the garden. Cause he's like in the, in the tussle, like his, his garment is ripped off of him. Yeah. yeah. So this is not, this is not a dignified thing. Yeah. They're, no. they're like flipping out and running. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's interesting how that's not, you know, it's not written to scripture. It's not commanded of us, but it, um, there's something in that liturgical act that, um, conveys the discomfort and just what, what, um, the solemnity of, of what is happening there of, of it's not even Christ's final act of humiliation of his abandonment. Like there's more, more to come, but it's just one of the steps of just, um, it wasn't just that he was tortured and crucified. Uh, you know, it wasn't just that he was painfully executed in the most humiliating and painful way of, of slowly asphyxiating, um, and, you know, being, a exposed to the elements, like all the things that, that happen at once. What's, it's not just that, but it's having the, the, your loved one, it being abandoned as yeah. well. And think, think of the context. So his prayer in the garden, Abba Father, um, uh, take away this cup from me. Um, and, uh, and, and, and knows that that prayer is in vain, probably, right? Um, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Did I not mention and then, that then he comes back. last week? Did What's I not that? mention that this? Did I not mention that um, last week? Where this, the geography of this, where he um, said this prayer at the Mount of Olives, which is outside the gates, as in if God had another way, he was home free. Like uh, people who were pursuing him, like he could have just um, rode off into the sunset, Kirk, so to speak. Uh, yeah. So he comes uh, back, but yeah, and the disciples are asleep again, and he says, "Could you not watch and wait but one hour?" And he knows what's about to happen. He says, nevertheless, it is enough. Behold, the son of man is to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. So like just cr crushing inevitability, 
disappointment and betrayal on every side, even from Abba Father. Um, not betrayal, but like the, the, the turning of, a, the closing of a door, like, no. Forsakenness. My God, my God, why yeah. have you forsaken me? Drink it to the dregs. No, take away this cup from me. No, no, mm. drink it. Yeah. And then they run. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, to me, it makes even the, the, the stripping, the abandonment more, more poignant. And so that is, that is what's happening there as we strip the altar. And so, um, and then you sit there in the dark Yeah. <laughs> uh, once they flip the lights off and at whatever point you feel so moved, you get up and leave and it's awkward and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that's the point. Yeah. Which segues into Good Friday. Some churches, we have a church, a parish nearby, a neighboring parish, which has people sign up for um, for mm. watching mm-hmm. um, on Thursday night into Friday. Um, well, we've never well, done that. Yeah. Do they watch over um, the reserved sacrament or just they the, might? I don't. One I don't part know of the service is you can process as yeah. you strip it. Yeah, you can you can process um, the, the elements because uh, I, I I'll point this out. This is uh, just perhaps obscured to um low church protestants um but um there's no consecration of holy communion on good friday and there is no serving of holy communion except like if someone's dying yes but um there's no serving of communion on on um on holy saturday the, the great sabbath as it is called sometimes uh and and so um, anytime, what that means is that you can't consecrate the elements. You'd hold them in in reserve um, overnight and into Good Friday. And like you, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll pass it back to you. Like you said, some people um, hold vigil um, and watch over um, either the elements or just uh, yeah. until Good Friday. Which I I um I should probably do at some point just yeah. uh, to experience. I think we would more m- m- very much sympathize with the disciples falling asleep in the garden <laughs> right <laughs> yes, for sure <laughs> and 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 the the um christ's admonition could you not but watch and wait one hour would be even more poignant if i if i actually tried to so <laughs> that's that that's my only thought about um that that tradition there i think you probably come away with a kind of deep sympathy and a kind of a, a greater connection to those events there which kind of brings us into good friday today Christopher, we, um, I, I have four children aging six to 14 and, um, I have never done the three hours, um, of observation from 12 to three at a church. Um, Mm. our, our our kids are just not there yet. Um, they're, they're not there where I can bring them, nor are they quite there where I, I guess, I, I guess I could leave at this point, my eighth grade son, I could, I could leave them. So maybe I'm at a point where I can start to do that, but, um, but there is that, uh, the noon to three, um, and that, uh, again, the, the same thing I think would apply there. Um, if, if listeners, if you've, if you've done that, you probably feel keenly your mind wander. <laughs> and, uh, and even as we're marking those hours of our, our Lord's passion, his crucifixion, um, you can, you can understand why the disciples are probably gone uh who's at the foot of the cross john mary um is that all that's recorded i don't have the text in front of me yeah yeah but good friday talk to us about good friday christopher um features of the service uh are the solemn collects 
I'm not sure if you want to say anything about that. I want to say something about the uh, devotion before the cross. Um, that that's another part. Is this something that you do, Kirk? Uh, we we have never done it, and we okay. discussed it a little bit this year, and and um, we are we are not going to do it. Um, okay. Go ahead. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and it's, I think it's something that needs to be learned, um, and it just depends on what your background is. You know, many uh, low church evangelicals have kind of anti Romish um, kind of antibodies, and um, the idea of devotion before an object is 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 a uh, can be a hard sell. Right. Um, and yet, uh, you know, so you have to kind of teach and explain what it means. Like what, what, what does this look like? And Kirk, I've, you know, I've got some charismatic, uh, tendencies, which have only grown with, with uh, the diocese that I'm in, um, having witnessed at our synod, um, meeting, uh, at one of the services, a spontaneous, procession and devotion before the cross, not wow. on good Friday, but wow. because and so I got to see like, um, how they do this, it, they bring this cross up there and, 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 and like, I mean, this was uh, a synodical, you know, gathering, not a Sunday service. And yet there were still hundreds of people there and, um, so dozens are coming up like crying and like bowing before the cross, putting their hands on it. And, you know, various priests and, and deacons and, and the bishop are walking around with holy water, um, anointing people and praying over them. And Kirk, that was a powerful thing and a formative thing for me to witness where I've seen it um, in here, here in the upper Midwest, a much more stoic version where a giant cross is just brought in because we're following the directions where we follow directions here. Uh, and here's the, here, here is the instruction in the prayer book, Kirk. A wooden cross may now be brought into the church and placed in the sight of the people. And then there's um, the following antiphon may be said or sung three times as the cross is being uncovered. Uh, and it doesn't give a lot of instructions. And so yeah. sometimes it's just like, hey, look, here's the thing. Here, here's, here's the cross. Um, and, and the power of it can be, um, if it's not a devotional thing where you are, beholding it and sometimes touching the hard wood of the cross um is as people who are where we matter matters right is what we say um where, where this can be a powerful thing to 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 come forward to behold to touch to pray um near it um uh, can be a thing uh that uh is is deeply deeply meaningful kirk um uh, the, the next, uh, so I don't know if you want to talk about, um, well, just, let me just say the, the psalm collects that. or the, or the reproaches or the reproaches are next. The, so just regarding the devotions before the cross, um, I've never, I I've not yet, I think, um, been in a church for very long, maybe, maybe a couple times in college, but whatever. I've, I've never regularly attended a church that had a crucifix, only a cross. Mm. And yet the most affecting art for me religiously are renderings of the crucifixion. Um, and I think I've, I've said this before. It's interesting. Like the cross is only efficacious because the God man is hanging on it. It's not the empty cross that saves our sins, but the, but the full cross. And, um, and so I'm, I'm certainly open to, and I think, I think that would be a, a good devotion, um, is, is having that, um, and I know I, I realize I'm accidentally stumbling into a separate point, which I don't mean to, but yeah, no, I, I, I think I, I affirm 
just because our church has never made the decision to right. do it. Right. I, I get the logic of it. And sure. I wish that I would have been at your synodical gathering where you had that charismatic devotion before the cross. Mm. I would have loved that. I mean, you and I have talked about this before, like the cross is our theology. It's, yes. It is the beginning, the middle and the end. It is our hope. So uh, the reproaches you wanted to talk about. These are intense, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Testify against me. I brought you forth from the land of bondage. I led you through the waters of salvation and you have prepared a cross for your savior. And there are, there are um, half, half dozen of these, I think. Um, and after each one, um, the, the choir and congregation uh, responds with the Trisagion, which is holy God, holy and mighty, holy immortal one, have mercy upon us. And this really lands, helps land the punch on our chin that it was our sin that held him there as we sing on how, uh, in that, that great hymn, how deep the father's love for us, right? Um, as our prayer book says, the faithful are reminded of the role which their own sin played in the suffering and agony as Christ took all sin upon himself in obedience to his father's will. So reproach just means to throw um, one's guilt in your face, right? So like if your teacher reproaches you or if your parent reproaches you, it means you're reminded of your fault of your guilt. And these, uh, I, I feel like these punches really land. Um, this, this year we are, uh, this, this evening, we will be saying, um, we will be saying these, the, our, our rector will be saying these and, um, choir and congregation will be singing these back. And mm -hmm. I anticipate this being, um, kind of a, a, a powerful moment. It, 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 it goes through a little bit, all of Christ's saving acts and saving works. Um, I struck down the king, kings of the Canaanites for your sake, and you struck my head with a reed. I gave you a royal inheritance, and you have crowned mm. my head with thorns. Mm. Oh, my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Testify against me. So this is, this is kind of raw. Um, yeah. So are you guys doing these? Uh, we are not, in fact, doing the, we are a small church, Kirk, as you know. Um, we are not doing uh, the Good Friday liturgy. We are gathering tonight in a park like we did last year. It's kind of a new tradition for us, um, is uh, doing the Stations of the Cross outside in a park. Ah, oh, yay. We did it last year because it was kind of pre-vaccine, um, um, and it's in the same, um, it's within sight of where we planned to do our Easter sunrise service. We had to cancel ours due to weather. Uh, we have some forecasted cold uh, um, on, on Easter Sunday. So at 7 a.m., the idea of worshiping outside is, is not uh, appealing. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's kind of neat inside of where we'll celebrate uh, on the third day, the resurrection of Christ, to, um, to do the service of, of, um, of the Stations of the Cross or the Way of the Cross. And uh, what was neat last year is, is some of the people who were just in the park joined us. Oh yeah, and and one of those people came back uh, for us for our Easter Sunday service, um, and so that's a beautiful thing to be able to gather people in. Um, I, I don't want to shame anybody who um, happens to be a Christmas and Easter Christian. Um, yeah, no shame. D no don't shame. feel shame to come and join at any time, including Please. even Good the door Friday. is always open. And um, not only that, but um, 
as we welcome you, we do want to, to, to invite you to come back. Um, but even if you join with us for one service, um, I don't know what the, the Lord can do with that as far as, I, I imagine every city has people who, um, if you put them on the witness stand, they would, uh, if you press me, they, they, they would say, yes, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus, but it may come, um, totally detached from the church. Mm. And so if we can be one, um, one step in the kind of the reuniting, the, 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 the healing, um, necessary for someone to find themselves back into a church every Sunday, um, we were, are glad to yeah. do that work. So that's, so we do, we do, um, the stations of the cross, which is a devotional, um, service as, as you walk with Jesus on the way to the skull, um, and is, is a, is a neat service. You know what we do in our household? Um, and this started in 2020, uh, when during, uh, by Holy week of 2020, um, all our churches were shut down and, uh, we, in our family, in our house with my four children, my wife and I, we made our own stations of the cross, mm. divvied up the, the various stations, had the kids do artwork, pinned them around the house and processed around the house. And when you and I are done recording, um, well, you and I have been recording our, my children have been finishing up their artwork. Um, we're, we're, we're going to have a, have a small lunch and then we're going to pin those things up and we are going to do stations of the cross here in nice. our, in our house. So nice. that is a, that is a, a powerful and affecting, um, devotion, really fixing your mind and your heart on Christ saving act on the cross. And, and. Kirk, we, we, as, as solemn as we make Good Friday, as much as we remember uh, Christ's sacrifice that it was because of our sin, uh, we, we also, uh, we call it good. Um, we hold yes. this tension uh, and Anthem 1, which comes after the solemn reproaches, um, articulates this. We glory in your cross, O Lord. I mean, to glory in the cross is this odd and in the yes. world's eyes, I would imagine would, would make no sense. And yet um, Christ's glory is in the cross being lifted up. Um, and uh, in this way that is a humiliation is also Christ's glory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I once heard a Lutheran theologian say he wished he had the guts on some good Friday uh, to uh, walk to the pulpit when, when the time mm. came for the sermon to point at the cross <laughs> and say for you mm. all for you for love of you and then sit down <laughs> uh and and i thought that uh i mean basically that that that's all we, that's good what, all good yeah. good friday sermons boil down that. To that yeah <laughs> we use a lot of words to try to convey that <laughs> And for that reason, it is good for that, all for love, for love of you. Any other thoughts on, on Good Friday, Kurt? No. Um, do you want to talk about Holy Saturday or the uh, Great Sabbath? I, I would just say this. Um, oftentimes, there's not, not an exhaustion, but it's not a fatigue. Um, it is more of a restful day, right? So when we're marking Jesus' passion, death and resurrection, he lays in the tomb and the lessons that are assigned for these days um, have that theme, right? Um, it is finished. It is accomplished as in it is accomplished. So there's this, this, this brief 24 hour uh, in between time between 
cavalry. Let's not say 24 hours, but yeah. Right, 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 right. Yes, you're right. Brief in between time. Um, And so the lessons kind of capture that. But then, of course, there is uh, the evening. Yeah, the vigil. Are we talking vigil? Yeah, I mean, do you have any any other any other comments on on Saturday itself? Um, we've never had a, a, a Holy Saturday service. Many churches don't. Um, yeah. But it's it's very simple. It's solemn. It's quiet. Just remembering, um, Christ was dead in the tomb. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. gospel lesson. It's either. Um, I think this year I, I don't have it up, but it's it's, uh, it's, the John... it's not a, it's not an annual. Uh, or maybe it is. The Gospels are, are Matthew it's, 27, 57 through 66, or John 19, John 19 38 through 42. Yeah. And it's the packing. It's Jesus being, pa- I, I referenced before, um, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Uh, it's the, it's them packing the body with spices. John has them. Nope, pack they the did, body. No, they don't. They don't. Okay. So Not pack the body, John. But no, like this should be said um, that there was a bit of a rush on Friday because yes. at night at at That's right. nightfall, at sundown on Friday the Sabbath starts. Yep. And the reason that nobody went to the tomb on Saturday is because it was the Sabbath, and the women at first light on Sunday morning went to the tomb because that was the first time they were allowed to go visit the dead body. So Saturday he was just there in the grave as people celebrated their Sabbath. Like, and can you imagine what that Sabbath was like for those disciples who thought he was dead mm-hmm. forever? Um, just mourning. And again, the women with more devotion than the men waiting to go back and right. visit this tomb. Um, and, and so this, you know, it's referred to as the great Sabbath. Um, remembering that, in fact, was a day of, of, of Sabbath where um, from sundown Friday night until sunup on Sunday morning, Everybody was in their homes. They were not really allowed to to do any work. And the, I mean, it's, this stuff is so regulated, Kirk. Yeah. Um, I, it's interesting to hear that even uh, modern Jews how like um, they can't turn on lights. They can't turn you know, on right. They can't operate I mean, elevators. Yeah. yeah. There are many, many, many things that they can't do. And um, and so essentially, Christ was alone in the tomb, dead. Uh, and and so yeah, uh, there all the packing and anything happened before sundown on friday and that's that's why they stabbed him is because they're like we got to get this we got to get this moving if like you usually um they're surprised he was dead right like usually crucifixions uh the reason they crucify people is they're these long drawn out things right like it it, by design and they're like no we we've got to get this done um by by sundown so yeah so easter vigil um can begin in the, in the evening, I mean, if you, if you want to do it by the book, um, you walk out of church um, after midnight, right? So when you when you say the A word, <laughs> which we're so close to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it, it is it is properly Easter, um, but uh, it's it's long. It's called a vigil because you're you're watching and waiting, mm-hmm. and uh, there are, there's there are options for how many lessons you can. Um, use as you anticipate the celebration of, of, of Easter, because there's this grand moment where um, after the, 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 the sequence of lessons, prayers, um, lessons, prayers, there's, there's this moment where you kind of, you turn on the lights, you ring the bells, you sing the Gloria for the first time since, uh, since Epiphany, and you have a liturgy of the table, you celebrate Holy Communion, um, all, all the vestments are suddenly in white, 
and then you walk out kind of on this on this on this wave of Easter joy, but but it's long because you have all these lessons that start in Genesis in the garden, and it tells the story of who we are as God's people, and how we arrived at Easter. The narrative, the entire narrative of creation, fall, the promise of redemption, um, and then and then redemption's final accomplishment. And I think I've, I might have said this before, but um, at one point, uh, Treebeard, the, uh, the, um, one of the Ents in the Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. is asked what his name is um, in Entish. And he says, I can't tell you my name. Um, it's, it would take too long. And, and he says, anything that's worth saying is worth taking your time to say it, right? When trees have conversations, they take, they take a long time, right? You can't, when we're walking in the woods, we can't hear the conversations that trees have, right? So um, Easter Vigil is when the one time in the year when Christians, Christian is just short for what our name fully is. And we say what our name fully is on Easter Vigil when we tell the whole story. So it, it makes it, it, it's an exhausting service. Um, I've heard some priests say, if you want to step out, I don't feel bad. I have to go to the bathroom. If you have to step out, stretch your legs, whatever. Um, it's just, we're taking a long time to say our name and we're telling the whole story. And I thought that was, that really framed it well for me. And that stuck with me mm. since. Mm. Thoughts on your answer? Uh so this is service that starts in the dark and moves into the light. Um, this is a service uh, of baptism and, and um, confirmation. Kirk, you were confirmed as an Anglican at the yes. Easter Vigil service. Yes, I was. Um, which I'm sure was just a, a powerful thing. Um, yeah. Yes, I, it was very powerful. Yes. And like you said, it's lengthy by design. We light the Paschal candle. Um, yeah, I buried the lead there, didn't I? <laughs> yes. Hmm. The Easter candle gets lit at the very beginning. Yep. Yeah. And this is a candle that, um, we light during services during the Easter season and, um, also at baptisms and, and at also funerals. at funerals. Yep. Yeah. Cause funerals are, are, um, services of death and resurrection. We don't, it, it's the it's the not yet but already right mm-hmm. yeah there's this lengthy hymn that some people like the exalted um and i have felt my attention slip um because when it's chanted it takes a long time <laughs> um, um but but a lot of a lot of our listeners may may come to love it i, I know in the roman catholic tradition this is quite beloved and mm-hmm. one, one of people's uh, fa- favorite moments um, as well. Um, yeah. Baptisms, confirmations. Um, and I'm, I'm going to count, I'm going to count the lessons here that you could possibly do. There's creation. <laughs> there's the fall. There's the flood, Abraham sacrificing Isaac, Israel's deliverance at the Red Sea, um, a passage from Isaiah, God's presence in a renewed Israel, salvation freely offered to all another passage in Isaiah. Um, Ezekiel, is that the dry bones? I think that's the dry bones, right? Ezekiel 36. No, that's 37. So there's Ezekiel 36, then Ezekiel 37. There's um, the three young men in the furnace from Daniel. 
There's Jonah and the fish. Um, there's a passage from a prophetic passage from Zephaniah. These are all the passages that they can that churches can choose to use when doing a vigil. And that's what I mean when I say, Christopher, we can choose to take a long time to tell our story of who we are as God's people. Yeah. And again, if if this none of this sounds great, I get it. <laughs> you just have to try it to see. Yes. And and I mean the thing that that um, people also emphasize, priests will emphasize, is like this is every bit the the Easter service that like you know if you come to this, um, yeah, come Sunday morning, but um, also you don't have to. I don't like to think of it that way, Kirk. But right. um, pop the champagne Saturday night and um, and enjoy. Yeah, we have uh, we've gone super long. Do you have any final thoughts, sir? I don't. Shall we end in prayer? Let's. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. Almighty God, we beseech thee graciously to behold this, thy family, for which our Lord Jesus Christ was contented to be betrayed and given up into the hands of wicked men and to suffer death upon the cross, who now liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost ever one God, world without end. Amen. Amen. O merciful God, who hast made all men, and hatest nothing that thou hast made, nor desirest the death of sinner, of a sinner, but rather that he should be converted and live. Have mercy upon all who know thee, not as thou art revealed in the gospel of thy Son. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of thy word, and so fetch them home blessed Lord, to thy flock, that we may all be gathered into one fold under one shepherd, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, who through your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, overcame death and opened to us the way, the gate of everlasting life, grant that we who celebrate with joy the day of the Lord's resurrection may by your life-giving spirit, be delivered from sin and raised from death through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Next week, Kirk, when we Next. celebrate Easter and all that comes with that. Amen. Next week.